me over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Today I'm going to share a message with you that's not going to be your favorite message. Unless you take the truths that you learned today and start walking them out. Because really, no medicine is good medicine, and it does no good if you don't take the medicine, right? So here's a, uh, I'll try to add the spoonful of sugar to make the medicine go down. But I have to admit, this is not my favorite message either. God's been birthing this in my heart for quite a while. And I have to tell you, I don't like it because it, it forces me to, and that's what we have this mirror up here, is take a hard look in the mirror. Luckily, I'm not even short enough. There it is. Oh. You know, I can go the whole day and feel pretty good about myself. And then I walk by a mirror and I go, oh. I forgot that's what I look like. <laughs> and if you haven't realized, I haven't got another change in my appearance, part of old age. I had glasses. My dad, I won't say how old you are, he now doesn't have to wear glasses anymore. And now I have to wear glasses full time. So I, rem I don't remember when it was a few days ago. I'm like, you know, what do we do on Facebook? We want everybody to know what we're doing all the time, right? or at least every big change in our life. So I tried to take a picture of myself to put it out there. Here I am. I'm old. You know, I like, I don't know why. My differences, I, I like celebrating them. It's like, look at me, you know. Hoo -hoo. And so I wanted to take a picture. So I'm taking a picture, and I'm like, oh, that's awful. And I deleted that, and then I got into a different light, take a picture. Oh, that's awful. And I went in the bathroom, I stood there looking at myself, and I'm like, that is what you look like. What am I trying to do? I need, a, I need one of those apps on there that just poof, you know, you're a movie star. Look beautiful. Have you ever seen some of those models when they're not in makeup? Yeah, airbrush Photoshop, hallelujah for Photoshop. I took classes just to edit my own pictures. Anyway, this is not my favorite message but I, I'll tell you, it's like medicine. And when we apply these truths today, um, it's going to help us <sighs> enjoy looking in that mirror. Not going to make any hard promises, but let's just, let's just dig into the medicine. So you're already over there, Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. To give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of, not others, yourselves. 
measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with, the Christ, with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Verse 2. Verse 2, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given you. The title of today's message, and please nobody break out in song, is The Man in the Mirror. And it has nothing to do with Michael. Nothing. The man in the mirror. Who is it you see when you look in the mirror? Our self-image will hinder us. Not may, it will. Our self-image will hinder us, whether it's exaggerated positively. Men, Atlas, remember you can pull them out at any time. Isn't that what we learned at marriage class? You look in the mirror and, yeah. Oh, women, we walk by, yeah, oh, right? So whether positively or negatively, your self-image will hinder you. Self-image is the idea, the conception, or mental image one has of oneself. Self-image is how you perceive yourself. It is a number of self-impressions that have built up over time. What do you think? What do you feel about yourself? What have you done throughout your life? These self-images can be very negative and are often exaggerated, making a person doubtful of their capabilities and a skeptic of their own future. You hinder what God wants to do through you because of who you think you are. Your self-image will hinder you. As Christians, we're supposed to be reflecting the image of who? Christ. Christians, little Christ. When we look in a mirror, we're not supposed to see ourselves. We're supposed to see Jesus. We're supposed to reflect him. In 2 Corinthians 3.16, it says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is? And all the worshipers said freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and now reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. You can't do it. If you're a Christian and you think that your behavior is making you a better Christian, it's a lie. It's a whitewashed tomb, Jesus called them Pharisees. Because really, if anybody was able to keep the law, who was it? Pharisees. Oh my goodness. They kept they they had laws and laws upon laws to follow a law. And they followed them. But that did not reflect the glory of the Lord. That didn't make them any more 
like God. But when we surrender to God, he says, now I'll change you. Now I'll make you. Now you can reflect my glory. We as Christians are to reflect the glory of the Lord. Yet over the years, the church went from looking at Jesus as the man in the mirror, as the standard to which we need to live up to, as the standard we need to surrender to, as the standard of who we need to reflect, and began looking at each other. Saying, well, hey, I'm not as bad as, yeah, mm mm-hmm. Or I'm not, mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm good enough. The man in the mirror that's supposed to be looking back at you is Jesus. He is the standard. He is who you are supposed to reflect. The Bible says when we compare ourselves among ourselves, what are we? Unwise. I think one on translation says stupido, stupid, dumb. What are you thinking? How can that get you anywhere? How can that get you anywhere? Could you imagine standing before God at judgment, which we all will, just in case. We'll give the altar call later, but you will all stand. We will all stand before God and give an account for what we have and have not done with what we have. Now, that's a whole nother message. Everything he's given you, you're accountable for. And everything he hasn't given you, you're accountable for. You're accountable to God. But when you stand before him and you'll say, hey, well, hey, I wasn't as bad as Crystal. Look at her back there. Uh, I know what kind of person Crystal is. And I am better. God's going to be like, oh, well, okay then. No, who's going to be sitting at his right hand? Jesus. He's the standard. Your name is a Christian. A little Christ. How had not a little crystal? Crystallicians. I don't know. Anyway. It's little Christ. How have you reflected Jesus? That's the standard. Jesus is the man in the mirror. We are not redeemed from a life of sin to reflect our own glory. But God's glory. Let me ask you a couple things. And don't answer them out loud. Because then you'll be truthful. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? Women, we do it a few times in the day when we look at the mirror. And you know those thoughts pop in your mind just like that. I still battle with that. I still, when I'm getting ready and staring at that great big ugly mirror... Thinking, God can use that? Well, maybe if I was four inches taller. (laughs) That's what heels. Maybe I was 40 pounds lighter. Maybe if I didn't have to color my hair every three weeks to keep the grays under control. Maybe if I didn't have to wear glasses. Right? You look in the mirror. What do you see? Most of us, if we are honest, could give a whole list of labels that we've allowed to be placed upon 
what we see. But let me ask you another question. What does God see when he looks at you? What does God see when he looks at your face? When you start seeing yourself the way God sees you, everything changes, yet nothing changes. We learned that in our marriage group, and when Dr. Emerson said that, I'm like, ah, that's it. That's it. Everything changes, yet nothing changes. If I can grab a hold of this truth, if I can begin to see myself the way God sees me, when I look in the mirror, everything changes. But I'm still going to be five foot. Mm. I'm still going to be a hundred and... I'm still going to be 40. Everything will change, but nothing will change. Because it's all about what you believe. You need to choose to believe what God sees in you and not what you perceive to see. We do this with each other too. Why do we always believe the worst when we have those um, lack of um, understanding, those gaps of understanding, when we don't know why such and such individual is acting like this way or that way? Why is it easier for us to quickly throw out a negative label? We do that with ourselves. We do that with each other. We have to change the way we think so that everything will change. I was listening to Steve and Wendy Backland. Um, They have a ministry called Igniting Hope Ministry. And she spoke spoke something in the middle of this message, and it just caught my attention. The profound statement here, I had to write it down to go with this message. She said, you don't need to see something different. You need to believe something different. We're Christians. We're supposed to live by faith. Right? Not by sight. You don't need to see something different. You need to believe something different. Researchers on the brain have proven that no action can come apart from it first beginning in your thoughts. As a matter of fact, I'm probably going to butcher her story, but there's a scientist, a young scientist lady um, in the middle of her career. All she studied was the brain and how it worked and how it processed things. And in the middle of her research, she had a stroke. And it completely turned her back into a two-year-old because she could babble out questions. She could babble out sentences, but her understanding was completely gone. Her mom had to teach her how to eat again, how to pick up a spoon, and her mom was getting frustrated and asking some of her other scientist friends, what can I do, what can I do, what can I do, how can I help her? And they said, well, you're going to have to challenge her mind to understand. Because not just doing the things, but challenge her mind to understand. 
So she's like, okay. So she pulled out a puzzle and she dumped it in front of her daughter and said, okay, now turn all the pieces upright. She looked at her mom and said, what's upright? So she explained to her that, well, that's the colored side. That's the side with the picture on it. Soon as she explained that, she was able to flip them over. And she goes, okay, now grab all the blue pieces. She says, what's blue? She goes, uh, the color blue? She said, what's color? Since her stroke, she hadn't been seeing things in color. So her mom, the best she could, tried to help her understand what color was. Uh, this is kind of cold. It makes you feel cold. It's blue. It, it looks like it's, it's what the sky is. Then she started seeing things in blue. As soon as her mind received the understanding of what something was, then she grabbed a hold of it. See, if you can grab a hold of the fact that Jesus is your reflection, that God sees you this way, redeemed, holy, acceptable. If you can grab, a, if you can make your mind grab a hold of this simple truth, everything's going to change. You don't need to see something different. You need to believe something different. Stop trying to change who you are by what you do and start believing who you are. Start believing. You cannot fix who you are. Only God can. God can't change you until you believe something different about you. Remember he said, Romans 12, 2, let God transform you into a new person by what? Changing the way you think. Changing the way you think. Reverend Samuel Rodriguez says, Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. The words that you speak are the seeds in your future. What you're harvesting today is what you spoke yesterday. Your words are the seeds to your future. And if you set back on your blessed assurance and don't believe something different, your complacency will be tomorrow's captivity. Nothing else. You have been set free. The only thing that can hinder you is you. The devil has no authority over you at all. None. Except what you allow him to have. God can transform your life, but you need to change the way you think. The past can't hold you back, but your current beliefs can. The enemy throws thoughts in your mind, exaggerates your misconceptions of yourself, and then he yells and points at you disqualified. You're disqualified. You thought you could do this? You're disqualified. Look at who you are. Look what you've done. Look what you've thought. Disqualified. 
The prodigal son rehearsed in his mind over and over again. He thought, I've been so bad. I've done so much wrong. I am disqualified from being called his son. Was that true? The assumption that we could ever be disqualified is based on, is founded in the assumption or the belief that we can earn approval with God. If you can be disqualified, you can be qualified by your actions. How is that lining up with Scripture? Because then where was Christ needed? Where was his death needed? If you could make yourself holy, why did Jesus have to die? So the assumption that you could be disqualified by your actions is based on, founded in the assumption, the belief that you can be qualified by your actions. To believe that you won't see miracles when you lay hands on people today because... I had a fight with my wife on the way here because I know what I did last night. That's stating that someone's miracle is more about you than it is about God. Is that true? Can you read the Bible enough to make a miracle happen? Can you pray enough to make a miracle happen? Can you love your wife or your spouse enough to make a miracle happen? Come on, we believe these things, but when we speak them out loud, that don't make any sense. It's not about me. The miracle is not about me. It's about God using anything. Think about that. Using anything. Here's a nice application. When You can't believe a lie when you're speaking the truth. So the minute a thought goes in your mind, question it. Call it out and speak it out loud. Oh, don't pray for that person because, well, I know what you did. What did I do? When I walked in here, I asked Jesus to forgive me. When I went to bed last night, I asked Jesus to forgive me. I surrender my life to God. I'm walking out daily, living for him. I am more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. The same spirit that lives in me raised Christ from the dead. What do you mean I can't pray for that person? Matter of fact, I think I was commissioned by God to not just pray for people, but to heal the sick, to cast out the demons, because it's not about me. It's about God in me, allowing him to be God through me. It's not about me. So when you uh, start thinking something different, call it out. Speak it out. You cannot believe a lie when you're speaking the truth. When you start thinking, oh, I'm whatever. Uh, this individual is hope. You got one of them in your family. I know you do. We've been praying for him for years, and that person is just too far gone. They'll never come to Christ. Say that out loud. Say that one out loud. It's like spitting in the face of God. What do you mean? What do you mean they're too far gone? I'm glad nobody gave up on me. Because I said it a million times. I was raised in church and then went my own way. And there was when I was trying and I knew I felt the tug of the Lord to come back, come back, come back. And I thought there is no way I'm not walking in that church. Forget it. 
I know what I've done. When you speak those things out loud, can anyone be too far gone for Jesus to reach them? No. Is your current situation that you're in too big for God? Is God not able to perform miracles anymore? Ask this question when you look at yourself in the mirror. Who does God say I am? Who does God say I am? What would God say about this situation? Another thing we learned in marriage class or workshop, I like that word, the marriage workshop, is to separate your feelings from the facts. Separate your feelings from the facts. We are a Christian. We're supposed to live by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by feelings. As a matter of fact, I even shouted it out in prayer this morning. God, I choose to believe you. And everything you said is truth. And my feelings are a liar. They deceive me. And they cause me to go off track. But I choose to believe you. What God says in his word is fact. It is not based on your feelings. So I'm not Catherine Coleman. I'm not Smith Wigglesworth, these great healing evangelists. I'm not Elijah, who faced over 400 false prophets and even called down the very fire of God and taunted these prophets, which was uh, like, anyway. Yet the Bible says Elijah was a man just like us. I like that. Because it's easy to elevate other people to a position that you'll never get. But when you say that out loud, is God any respecter of a person? Is God the same yesterday, today, and forever? What he wants to do for someone else, will he do it for you? Yes. But when we keep quiet, that enemy takes control of our thoughts and has us believing lies. I I may not feel as wise and discerning as the prophets in the Bible, and yet God can use anyone. And as a matter of fact, one of the prophets could not even see that God was trying to stop him from going to do this thing that he was doing. I won't get into the big long story. And he wasn't paying attention to God, so what did God use? The donkey. The, I will give you, should I give him the King James Version? No, I won't. Donkey. He, now, and so I, hey, I, I fall back on that one once in a while. God, if you can use a donkey. I'm the biggest donkey at times. Donkey at times. You can use me. If you can use a donkey, you can use me. So what, I'm not Catherine Coleman, I'm not Smith Wigglesworth, I may not be Elijah, but Elijah was just a man just like I am. And if you can use a donkey, you can use me. Because it's not about me. The fact that God can and will use 
anyone, any willing vessel trumps your feelings. That's a fact. That's the truth. Don't let your beliefs be confined by your perceived limitations. So you're a crackpot. So you're a broken vessel. So you're a little marred, a little scarred. So the world looks at you as less than. Is that how God sees you? As a matter of fact, two of my most prized possessions are these two things that the world would say are not beautiful. The first one would be this little box. This little box, and any carpenter sees there's a slight problem with this little box. Slight, it kind of works. But on the bottom of this, that's my oldest son's name and the year he built that for me. And sure, it sticks once in a while, and I have to get a nail, and I have to prod open that lid. But this is one of my prized possessions because of who he is in my eyes. So what, you're a little broken. So what, your lid sticks once in a while. God looks at you and says, you are my prized possession. Doesn't matter what other people look at you and see. It's what I look at you and see you for. The other thing is what I made. And I'm glad my mom and dad gave this back to me quite a few years ago. I made this, and I don't even think I put a year on this, but if I'm remembering correctly, it was in fourth grade. My first clay that I got to mold. And, yep, Carrie guessed it. It was an ashtray. I mean, back in those days, everybody smoked. It was okay. You know, as a matter of fact, I remember Bible studies where it was like that we thought it was the Shekinah glory of God. No, it's just our cigarette smoke. Anyway, but this, I mean, I drew, there's my name, Brenda Lee, on the inside. I drew little dots and a little lion that, I don't know what that looks It's supposed to be a lion. But over the years, Mom and Dad hung on to that. And I was so glad they gave it back to me because this represents to me innocence. Innocence. I wanted to do my best for my mom and dad. I took time. And when everybody else and I was looking at their things as they, you know, they fired them in the kiln and they were bringing them back to the table so that we could paint them and put this glaze on them. And I remember looking around at everybody else's. And I started comparing what I had done to everybody else's. And I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed because I thought, mine doesn't look as good as theirs does. But the innocence of this is I know my mom and dad will love it. I know mom and dad will love it. You are God's prized possession. And no matter what you try, whether you fail or succeed, God loves it. And he's there to wipe your tears. He's there to wipe the dust off your knees when you fall down and pick you back up again. The innocence of a child will do whatever they can to please their father. And that's what God said, just do that for me. Just love me that way. The innocence 
of I just want to please you. God, when I look at myself, when you look at yourself in the mirror and you start labeling what you see as less than, what does that do for God? Creator. Created you in his image. He says, look at you. Look at you. Look at yourself the way I look at you. Then everything will change. A God, a godly self-image must have God in it. A godly self-image must have God in it. Only he knows what you're really capable of. I'm going to try to get by some of all this stuff. You've heard the story of those in the world that, well, the world considered less than. And yet when you hear their stories, how they didn't let it hold them back, what does it do? It encourages you, doesn't it? I mean, I was searching just so I would have the thought in my mind, um, all these Special Olympics and all these runners and all these racers and all the different things they do. These kids do not let anything slow them down. And I get encouraged because the world looks at them as less than. But they will not be marked by that label. They choose not to be marked with a label that would slow them down or hinder them. Think about it. How can God receive all the glory for working a miracle in you? How can he do that? If it was all God. If it was about you, then you would receive the glory. If it's about how much you studied the Bible this week or how much you prayed this week or, you know, how perfect you were, you would get the glory. But when he uses some of the donkeys in this room... He gets all the glory for that. I just want to be a willing donkey. Don't tweet that. Especially using the King James Version. Don't don't do that. You are transformed by what you believe. Remember, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think about yourself. Here's the man in the mirror. Um, and I did grab a dry erase marker just because I heard somebody once give this as a take-home. And I loved the idea. As a matter of fact, I used to use sticky notes. Of course, anybody who knows me knows I am like the queen of sticky notes. I love sticky notes everywhere. So when I really battled this, when I first gave my heart back to the Lord, I battled with a horrible, horrible self-image. I hated looking in the mirror. As a matter of fact, most of the time I tried to put my makeup on without even looking in the mirror which all that will give you a (laughs) self-image. I mean, I really hated myself. So I began, one person said, you know, why don't you put a sticky note? Why don't you write some truth, find some scripture that says what God thinks you are and put them on your mirror. And so at one time I had these, like these sticky notes all over my mirror, but somebody said, you know, you can use a dry erase marker. And right on your mirror, right on your mirror, who does God say you are? Linda, who does God say you are? Beautiful. Who does God say you are, Carrie? Pure. Pure. Who does God say you are, Crystal? Crystal. 
his child. Who does God say you are, Steve? Strong. I know he said courageous, but I can't spell that. Who does God say you are, Missy? A mother. Come on. Blessed. What else? His own. What else? Perfect in his eyes. The apple of his eye. Precious. Chosen. Forgiven. Blessed. How about healed? How about a sound mind? How about no fear? Come on. You all know the truth. Stop believing a lie. And start speaking the truth. And then everything will change. Even though nothing changes. <laughs> Actually, I want to... God just quickened my heart over that. He said everything will change. You start believing something different and you're going to see something different. But when you're looking for something different before you believe something different, you're never going to see that something different. You're going to see yourself transformed into a new person when what? You let God change the way you think. Everything will change as soon as you start believing something different. Think something different. Here it is. Here's the altar call. Could you just bow your heads right where you're at? I just want to, I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to respond, not to me, not to a message, to God. You know what you've been saying about yourself when you look in the mirror. You know how you've hindered God working through you because of your own self-image. Wrong self-image. You know. Right now, I just want you to begin to hear. I want you to begin to hear God speaking some truth statements to you. Just in the quietness. Hear him say, you're beautiful. Hear him say, you're healed. Hear him say, you're empowered. Hear him say, you're my child. Hear him say, you're strong. Hear him say... God, we just cry out to you and we ask for your forgiveness, God. That we've believed a lie. We've believed a lie about ourselves that's hindered you moving through us and working through us. And we cry out now, forgive us, God, for that. Yeah, we make mistakes. But God, by your Holy Spirit, we'll be quick to repent. We'll be quick to ask you to forgive us. And you are always there.
to pick us up, brush us off, kiss us, and speak love and restoration and speak confidence in us that you believe in us. We are priceless to you. We are your prized possession because you sacrificed the greatest that you had to offer for us to have a relationship with you. You gave your all. for us. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. If you're still struggling or you feel like you need prayer with somebody to help you in those negative thoughts, those wrong self-image. We're going to open the altars up in a minute, and I want you to come up and get prayed for. But before we go any farther, let me just ask you before we leave, if you're sitting here today and you say, Brenda, when I look in the mirror, all I see is me. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. All I see is me. The truth is that's all there is without Jesus. But if today you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior and return to a relationship that God established from the beginning of the time for you to have with him, a personal, intimate, deep, walking out, everyday relationship with him, reflecting Jesus, then today's your day. And all you have to do is say yes. Raise your hand right where you sit. Yeah, today's my day. I see your hand. Yep, today's my day. Yeah, I see your hands. Remember, it's not about you. He's done everything. He's done everything. He took your punishment so you could have peace. He took your punishment so you could have eternal life. He surrendered to death so you could have life. Abundant life here on earth and eternity with him in heaven. All you have to do is cry out to him. Simple prayer that just says, I surrender to you right now. I give you my heart, my life, my past, my mistakes, my present, and my future, God. I surrender to you right now. I thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my punishment so it would be paid. I accept that. Thank you for that. And now from this day forward, I'll live for you, Jesus, with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I will live to reflect your glory and your goodness in everything I do. I give all the glory to you. In Jesus' name. Today has begun a new day for you. A new day. I also believe it's a new day for this church. 
because you're going to start believing truth and stop believing lies. Oh, but you think they're all so small, but they're not. Remember the seeds of what you speak make your future. How many have watched Randy Clark's video just last Thursday? Raise up your hand nice and tall. I want to see who you are, who you are. Come up here. You're going to today pray for people and do exactly what you just learned how to do. On that video on Thursday night, what did he say? Start standing out. Start doing what God said. You are called to heal the sick. Not to pray for people and just pat them on the back and say, well, I hope all goes well with you. We have been commissioned by Jesus. Commissioned. It's not about you. You learned that, didn't you? It's not about you. It's about God. A willing vessel is all he needs. And miracles will be seen today. We're opening up this altar because today is going to mark a new day for Cornerstone Assembly of God because we're going to start believing God, taking him at his word. What he says is true. I'm going to believe that about myself. I'm going to believe that everything he spoke for us to do will be accomplished because I'm a willing vessel to do it. So come on up. I want everybody, whether you were just asked Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today to come up, get prayed for. If you need a miracle, if you struggle with the negative thoughts, wrong self-image, get prayed for. Don't leave unchanged.